Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, good morning, Passion. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. He's here. He is in this house. I love what, I love that song that speaks the name of Jesus. I want you to do that today. What's going on in your life? You need healing. I've had quite a few today that are having some back problems. Jesus, I'm just say Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, heal my back today. Some today are dealing with other things, maybe family issues. Speak Jesus over that family issue. There is power in the name of Jesus. Power to deliver. Power to heal. Power to set free. Power to bring joy and peace. I'll never forget years ago, my spiritual father, right after he got saved, about a year later, he'd been an alcoholic most of his life. Got saved at the age of 42 years old. He had to fly somewhere when he got to the airport. When he landed, he said, the only way I could describe it is that bar was calling my name. He said, I felt a physical pull toward that bar. He said, I didn't know what to do. And he said, in the middle of that airport, with hundreds of people around, he said, I yelled to the top of my lungs, Jesus! Now, this day and time, he probably would have gone to jail because they thought he's trying to start a riot. He said, but that day, it broke that addiction off my life. And he said, I never struggle with it again. There was power and freedom in the name of Jesus. Some of you just need to start out the day just saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Some of you need to get to work and just go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Some of you in your car, you need to say it as often as you can. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Don't even look to the left or to the right. Just go, Jesus, Jesus. You need to speak it over your family every morning. I speak Jesus over my family. There's power in the name of Jesus. It's not some magical formula. It is that there's power. And the Bible says we have not because we ask not. And when we ask in the name of Jesus, God will do miraculous things. Amen. Do you believe that today? Amen. We continue our sermon called Undefendable. This week, it'll be a little bit different. The first week, I, I talked about how not to be offended by others. Don't live in the, the land of offense. Don't let others bring you down. But I want to talk about an offense today that, if not careful, we will miss. If not careful, we will let get by us. When I turn on the TV today, it's my, my wife, she'll 
get on to me sometimes. She'll say, John, they, they can't hear you. I was watching the news this week and there was something being televised and I'm yelling at the TV. You're lying. You know you are. You're a liar. Go to hell. And I'm just yelling at the TV. I don't know if you've come to realize, in fact, I think it's happened probably in the last about three years. What is right has become wrong. What is wrong has become right. Now let me say this. It's not just in the secular world. It's happening in the church too. It's happening in the church. As I share this sermon with you today, it may step on some of your toes. It may offend. But you need to hear it. The other day I finally was watching the news and I'm a news watcher and I finally just turned it off because I thought to myself I can't handle the lies anymore. I want to share a passage with you today. It's out of Mark chapter 8 verse 31. It said, Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed, and after three days rise again. Listen to this part. He spoke plainly about this. We'll talk about that more in a few moments. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside. Can you imagine going to heaven and God saying something to you. Come here. And you go, come here, God. I'm, hold on, guys, hold on. God, I think you've made a mistake. Let me correct you. You can sit down. This is what Peter does. Peter, in essence, pulls Jesus aside. Here's a funny thing. We'll laugh at Peter. But y'all do the same thing. There are times in your life where something happens, something transpires, and you will pull Jesus aside to, as if you have the right to correct him. And then he says, he began to rebuke him. Now that's some guts right there. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, you need to hear this. Listen, I've preached this sermon a thousand times. For some reason, I never saw that part right there. That's the reason why I always study the Word of God. Something new will come all the time. I never saw that part right there. Listen, what he said again. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God. Uh, can I tell you that majority of the time we do not have in mind the concerns of God? And listen to what he says. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the word that we're about to receive. 
And I pray, Lord, that every heart, every mind will be open to receive, God, what you've got in store. And I pray that not one, not one will leave this house the same way that they came. But be blessed by your word and your presence in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In essence, Jesus, let me give you the backdrop. Jesus comes to the disciples, in essence, lets them know that, in essence, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die. I'll be placed upon a cross, and in essence, I will do this for you, for all mankind. Now, we understand Peter. He loves Jesus. He doesn't want this to happen. He, he loves them with a deep love. In fact, we'll find out later on in John 21 that Jesus has to deal with, with Peter's love for him and, and how it began to wean. But he, before we get there, what begins to happen is, is that that love, though, or that, that feeling of love toward Jesus begins to make him miss out on what has to happen versus what he doesn't want to happen. And he pulls Jesus aside, and he begins to right there rebuke him. As that is happening, Jesus in essence looks over and sees the looks on the faces of the disciples. And then he goes, Peter, give thee behind me, Satan. For you don't have concerns of God, but concerns of God of man. There's three things that I want to share with you today about how to learn not to be offended. Not so much offended by others, but offended by God. Has anybody ever here been offended by God? Oh, raise your hands. You lie. Something happened in your life and you didn't like it. It turned out the way you thought it should. And, and you kind of gave God a what to, oh, I'm sorry, God, did you forget about me? Oh, I, I'm sorry, God. I, I'm sorry. Have you been busy doing something else and forgot where I'm here? Wait a minute, God. I don't like how this turned out. And you gave God a mouthful. We've all done it. Don't lie. Don't be so self-righteous. We've all done it. King David did it all the time. King David would be, and go read the Psalms. He would be yelling at God pretty much. My enemies are triumph over me. You're allowing this to happen. Blah, 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 blah. But yet he would finally catch himself, and by the end of the psalm, David would go, but you are my rock and my refuge, my very help in trouble. You saved yourself, David. You ever done that before, getting a fuss with your wife, and you know you just said something you shouldn't have said, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. How can I save myself? We've all been there. And at this moment, what happens is Jesus looks over at the disciples, sees their faces, and begins to rebuke Peter. And Jesus even understands it's really not Peter speaking. It's the enemy speaking through Peter. So here's the things I want to share with you. Number one, write this down. Offense can't hide behind the truth. Offense cannot hide behind the truth. Is that he spoke plainly about this. He spoke plainly about this. Listen, let me tell you what I mean by that. 
In essence, if you look at that word plainly there, it means outspoken, frankness, bluntness, freely, confidence. In other words, Jesus spoke the truth. Can I tell you something that will offend people in a heartbeat? The truth. There's nothing worse sometimes than truth offense. And you know what I'm talking about. Something in the word of God goes against what you believe. Something in the word of God does not agree with your thought pattern. Something in the word of God. In fact, John 8, 31 through 32 says this. Truth shall set you free. But truth will call out your bondage in your life and stir up offense in your life. Uh, let me say this. This is where pastors in this day and time are starting to struggle. We're afraid to speak the truth because we're afraid we're going to upset somebody, make someone mad, offend somebody. And let me say this. It is never my desire nor my hope to offend somebody. But I also understand as a preacher of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive. It is. The word of God is offensive. Why? Because it goes against our human nature. It goes against our human desires. It goes against how we feel sometimes. I want to be mad. I want to slap him across the face. I want to kick him in the shin. The Bible says I'm to turn the other cheek and let me slap him on the, on the other cheek. The word of God many times will be offensive. John 16, 13 shares with us that the Holy Spirit guides us in truth. And when the truth redirects us and gets us back on God's path, offense is stirred up. In other words, sometimes I'm going to use you a lot today. Come here. Sometimes we're going down the road, keep walking and going down God's path, and, and you start veering. And what happens is the Holy Spirit is going to start pushing. You'll be seated. And when that nudging begins to happen, offense begins to take place. I like the path I'm going down. I like where I'm going, but the Bible says the path you're going down leads to destruction. And God loves you enough to, through the Holy Spirit to, to shrug you sometimes, to push you sometimes. Sometimes it starts out nothing more than something being spoke inside of you. Don't go down this road. You ever done that before? You're about to meet somebody, talk to someone, about to do something, and something just begins to stir inside of you like, don't, don't go to that meeting. Don't, don't, don't go talk to that person. And you're like, what is going on? That's the Holy Spirit. But see, what will happen sometimes is, well, we just don't listen. And the Holy Spirit will do more than nudge. He will nudge someone else to come across your path and say, God told me to tell you, don't go do this. And then what do we do? We get mad. at Well, how dare you come and talk to me? Who do you think you are? Well, I'm God's messenger because you're too stupid to listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because see... We don't understand that truth is what sets us free. It says in John 17, 17, it proclaims, the word of God sanctifies us with truth. When God's word points what is true, the untruths in our lives will create offense. You shouldn't be angry. You shouldn't get upset. You shouldn't be where you are. You ever been there before? You're somewhere you shouldn't be. 
and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you? You're about to say something you shouldn't say, but the truth of God says, I've told you not to say this, and it begins to bring offense. Listen, I want you to understand, we've got to learn as believers that the truth of God is what we're seeking and searching for. And when you're seeking and searching for the truth of God, I promise you, offense will come. Why? Because we're human beings. You ever had a hard time worshiping God? Maybe it was today. He came in, he kept trying to put your hands up, he just couldn't do it. You ever done that before? I, I love all you self-righteous people. Every walk, no, I've never been there, Pastor. I come in every day ready to praise and to glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I come in every day with my spirit overwhelmed by the joy of God. I guess I'm the only one that has come in some days and I'm like, I don't feel like praising God today. You know why? Listen to John 4, 24. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, sometimes you're going to come worship God, but you're not in truth. Something is in your life that doesn't belong. And because of that, as you sit here ready to praise God and you know that your life is out of truth, and in lies, it's hard to give God praise and glory. Why? Because you can't worship God in lies. You must worship him and truth. And you're sitting here, and what are you doing when you're praying? You're mad. You're getting offended. Well, I'll tell you what. I, man, I sure wish Jesse could sing a little better. <laughs> this praise and worship team must not have practiced today because I feel no presence of God. <laughs> Did you hear Catherine? She missed a note. I was, I mean, I was ready to give God praise and she hit the wrong note. It's gone. Forget it. <laughs> See, your deception is keeping you from worshiping in truth. I promise you as a believer, there will be times that you will struggle with the offense of truth. Because you know that what you're feeling, what you're believing, what you're speaking, where you're at, doesn't line up with the truth of God. And I had to learn as a believer to say, wait a minute, what is the truth? What is God saying? What is God's belief? Because of that, every day, I've got to put on truth. Ephesians 6, 14 says this, Stand firm then with the belt of truth broken around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. What does it mean right here? Stand firm. Stand firm in the truth. In other words, every day you've got to put it on. Every day you get up and you do what? You get dressed. You don't walk out of the house in your underwear or in your pajamas and go to work, do you? Well, some of you may. I don't know. If you are, stop. You get up and you get dressed. Can I tell you that as you get dressed in the carnal, can you learn to get dressed in the spiritual? Put on the armor of God. And what is that? One of those is the what? The belt of truth that you've got to put it on every day. I know that I'll have to fight the flesh of deception the spirit of lies, I know that I'll have to fight it, so every day I will stand firm in truth, I will put on the belt of truth and walk in truth. In fact, some of y'all want you to learn to do this right here. When things are coming against you and you, you're fighting with deception, just, just pull on your belt. Just, sometimes you're having a conversation with someone and you, boy, you want to you react in the wrong way, just grab your belt. 
Just, you know, you're, you ever had to pull your pants up? That's what I want some of you to do this week, amen? You're having a conversation. Your boss is making you mad. You want to act in the flesh. You don't respond with an offensive word. I just want you at that moment go, and your boss said, what are you doing? I'm grabbing my belt of truth. Because if I don't, I'm about, mm. Number two, offense rejects correction. Listen, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Can I tell you where your deception comes from? Can I tell you your resistance to the truth comes from? It comes from Satan. At that moment, Jesus turns to Peter. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. How do you think Peter felt? What? Jesus, I'm, I'm not Satan. What, what, why are you calling me that? Because, Peter, you're rejecting truth, and I've got to correct you. Raise your hand if you love being corrected in here. Raise your hand. Don't put your hand down. First, let's, let's all admit that correction at that moment doesn't feel good. But if we don't let the pain of offense take over, correction will produce what it needs in our lives. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 12, 11. No, disciples seem, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later, however, it produces harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Correction never feels good. Does anybody like correction? But the problem is we get offended by it. When Jesus or God corrects us, we don't like it. When God sends mighty men and women of God our way to correct us, we don't like it. But the problem is as men and women of God, we've got to learn and understand that part of God's word is bringing correction in our life. But after admitting that that pain, that correction causes that can lead to offense, we then have to admit this. And you ready? You need to write this down. It's funny. If you don't accept correction because of the sting of offense, you're stupid. <laughs> well, Pastor, that's not very nice. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. That's the word of God. I just said it to you. That wasn't John saying that to you. I wasn't calling you stupid. Don't come after service and say, you shouldn't have called me stupid. I didn't. God did. <laughs> when you're fighting and you're getting offended when people bring correction. And I never forget, I heard Joel Olsey say this one time. He said, there's always at least an ounce of truth to correction. What works, apply it to your life. What doesn't, throw it away. But what do we have a tendency of doing as believers? When you correct me, I'm going to get mad. Who do you think you are? We've got to have a place in our life where we accept correction. Proverbs 15.32 says this. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves. But the one who heeds correction gains understanding. I'm one of those that, let's say if someone comes to the church, a pastor from somewhere else, and when he leaves, the first thing I'll do is say, tell me what I could have done better. 
No, the service was great. It was wonderful. John, you are the best preacher in the world. I hear that so much. That's called a lie. Right there, that's deception. But what I always do is say, no, no, that's fine. Thank you for the compliments. Thank you. But tell me what we can do better. Can I help you in your life? If you want to become a better believer a strong, with a stronger walk with Christ, can you learn to accept correction? It's not to hurt you. It's to help you. It's not to bring you down. It's to build you up. And listen, let me say this. When God corrects you, listen to what God is saying. But can I also say this? God will send people to correct you. And if you're too high and mighty to receive God's correction, you'll never gain wisdom. Do you hear me? Your first reaction when you're corrected is to what? Get mad and get upset. But if we fight the offense that can come with correction, the word of God can bring righteousness in our life. Listen what he says in 2 Timothy. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. See, if we will allow correction to come in our life, what it will do is, and let me say this, some of you, you're great at correction. You do well with it. Some of you in here, let's just be honest, you're arrogant and prideful. And I promise you, the path you're on will eventually lead to destruction. Because even the Bible says that righteousness comes from correction. So what does that mean? Righteousness even comes from our failures and our mistakes and our trip-ups and our fails. Listen, we'll all make mistakes. We'll all fail. It's part of life. The problem is, is that when you don't get up and learn from your mistakes, the Bible says you will fail. You will make mistakes. But if you let someone correct you and rebuke you, God says if you listen to them, righteousness is coming your way. Righteousness is coming your way. Here's the last one. Offended people will offend people. Offended people. If I could put this in a category, the first one is is truth offense. We get offended by the truth. The second one would be correction, offense. We get offended by correction. The last one would be religious offense. See, the other two are correct. This one is wrong. Look at this right here. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, I have to go back and look. I, I, don't, I don't think this is a Matthew's version. I think in Matthew's version, it just says he rebuked Peter. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. For some reason, Sean, I've never seen that before. I don't know why. Jesus becomes aware that the disciples saw what Peter did. He becomes aware that Peter's offense, if not corrected by the truth, 
will jump on them. I've been a pastor for almost 30 years now. And it will blow my mind how tradition and religion and mindsets and the way we've done it for 30 years will push people to become offended. And right in front of the disciples, he rebukes Peter. Why? Undealt with offense in the body of Christ will create offense with others in the body of Christ. Offense in your life, if you don't deal with it, will begin to create offense in other people's lives. Sin, sin has power to spread to others. If Peter would have done this privately, Jesus would not have rebuked him publicly. But Peter decided to do it publicly. And Jesus had no option than to rebuke him publicly. It's so important that you get a hold on your offense. Because if you don't, it'll spread. It'll go to others. We all do it. If someone hurts us or offends us, what do we do? We'll always call the friend that we know we can find solace in. Not the friend that will correct us. Not the friend that will say, calm down. Not the friend that will say, you got the wrong thinking. Not the friend that will say, wait a minute, let's think what the Word of God says. We will call the friend that will always agree with us. Which means he won't bring correction. Which means he won't speak truth. See, it's not just happening in the world. Wrong is becoming right in the church. Right is becoming wrong in the church. Truth be told, we can't control the world, amen? But we can't control the church. See, sometimes the truth of God's going to offend you. Sometimes you must be corrected and it will be offensive. But you will have to fight the urge to let your offense spread to others. That when you're struggling with truth, say, God, I pray right now, Lord, where my, my life, my thoughts, my emotions, what I'm doing, my words, God, where it doesn't align with truth, correct me, God. For I want my life to be a, a beam of light that proclaims the gospel, the good news. Jesus didn't mince his words. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's, that's tough. I mean, Jesus, that's not politically correct. 
And, and when you say that, you're, you're, you're offending some groups of people. I'm telling you, if some groups of people don't get offended, they're dying and going to hell. If we care more about some people's feelings than we do their eternal future, some people are dying and going to hell. If we don't stand up and say, sometimes I may be offensive, but it's out of the love of their eternal soul that I am. My wife years ago, she had a couple that she listened to. She loved to listen to them. And then one day they popped up and started agreeing with something in the world. Something that the, it, I think will become the next biggest battle for the church. And they said it was okay. Use scripture to back up their, and it was completely unbiblical what they said. And I thought to myself at that moment, it's amazing how we can justify everything out of a desire not to offend others. Some of you, are you ready? You need to be offended today. Because certain things in your life aren't in lines with the Word of God, the truth. And there needs to be correction. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.